Hello, and welcome to the Biotech 2050 podcast. Biotech 2050 is a think tank chronicling the disruptions changing the biotech industry over the next several decades. Check out our website at biotech2050.com or on your favorite podcast listening platform. I'm Rahul Chaturvedi, co-founder of this podcast and today's host. I'm also the founder and CEO of Clora. Clora is solving the biotech industry's talent crisis by organizing and providing access to worldwide life sciences expertise. You can check us out at Clora.com. I'm excited to welcome Liang Schweitzer, founder and CEO of High Five Biotherapeutics. Thanks for joining us today, Liang. Hi, thank you, Rahul, for inviting me here. Yes, our pleasure. So Liang, to get us started and to set the stage for the discussion, walk us through the arc of your career and how you got to where you are today. Thank you. Yeah, I'd be happy to share. I grew up actually loved science, always admired Maria Curie and wanted to be in science area. So went school training undergrad in biology, but then I find out I also love the technology aspect to it. So I went to University of Minnesota and started bioprocessing engineering. So that's a discipline to combine biology and engineering together. I also took a minor on chemical engineering at that time. Soon enough afterwards, I realized it's really difficult to get into an interdisciplinary field because biologists thinking you are engineer, engineers thinking you are biologists, right? So I ended up saying I need to be strengthened in one area. So I ended up went to University of Zurich for my PhD and study signal transduction, wing signaling transduction pathway to be specific. Afterwards, I joined Dr. Harold Obama's lab as a postdoc when he moved from NIH to Snow Catherine Cancer Center because in his lab previously, they identified mimetic gene for wing signaling pathway, wing one. So from that experience, I get to exposure to a lot of cancer research as well as witness cancer patients nearby just see them on a daily basis because they came to the center for getting treatment. My passion then moved from really pure scientific driven signal transduction pathway magnetic understanding to figure out how to apply this knowledge to identify drugs to help those patients. So after my post, I went to BMS, started as oncology drug discovery biologist, being a biology chair. So at that time, just wanted to go back to in time. It was the time where Gleebeck just got launched targeted therapy for cancer. That was an exciting time. You sort of know how to date <laughs> my career started. And they went to, you know, BMS also witnessed and participated in the Satinab's uh, discovery and development. Exciting times. Therefore, most of us are working on small molecular targeted multi-kinases and I also get into some more complex biology programs. But one part of our small molecule I always find out is why they can be very effective, how to get a clean pharmacological profile safe enough for patients. So that makes me interested in to understand how good a drug is good enough getting to the patients. So that's need optimization task. I then moved to need optimization aspect of the BMS work. By the time I left BMS, I was a director of need optimization. So at that time also, the industry went into another change. You know, my team got opportunity to involved in Yovoy Optimal's um, work, scientific aspect to it. And immune modulation coming become really big next wave 
for cancer therapy from targeted to immune therapy. And of course, efforts also moving from small molecule to biologics. So being personally involved in all those exciting times really makes me feel whatever we do, making a difference in patient lives, it really excites me, motivates me. So subsequently, I got an opportunity to be the head of Asia Cancer Research for Sanofi. So during that time, I actually get to move back to Asia to see how biotech industry has boomed during that time. It was like 2014, 15 um, years at that period where the biotech started launching in Asia, especially in China. So I get to go out representing Sanofi, try to identify opportunity for open innovation. So got a lot of interactions with academic institution, biotech. And since then, you know, I got a lot of excitement from the small biotech world where they could just take the idea innovation and drive this innovation to a solution for patients. And so I decided to need Big Pharma to join the biotech startup world. And uh, as the CSO co-founder for biotech, that at that time we started in China and later on that biotech went to Hong Kong for IPO. So Hi-Fi Bio is the biotech I founded in 2017, July. In, on the basis of Hi-Fi Bio platform, that is the single cell technology platform where I try to using this technology because I always have the passion to come up with solutions for patients. So high by therapeutics, take advantage of the single cell technology platform that is really cutting edge technology or five scientific co-founder putting their discovery and innovation together into this platform and where we could use that to the next level, identify effective therapeutics, anybody's therapeutics to be specific through single B-cell plumbing, as well as subsequently over the years, we use that technology to identify biomarkers for patients so we can position the drug in the right patient population. With all the single cell data we accumulated with the technology maturing, now we're also trying to identify novel targets that can be transmitted much more effectively for therapeutics. Mm. All those efforts coined a name called drug intelligence science. So that means we have to understand scientific foundations, come up with drug based on data to find the most innovative approaches, identify the best drugs for patients. So basically, you know, this is where my journey has been now and still very exciting, rewarding every day. Wonderful. Thanks, Liang, for sharing your very diverse background. One topic that was interesting that I wanted to go a little bit deeper on was around the Chinese biotech ecosystem and perhaps more broadly, the Asian ecosystem for biotechs. Talk to us a little bit about, from your vantage point, how that ecosystem has evolved over the last couple of years. Because of this synopsis opportunity, I got the multiple chances to see different countries in the past where biotech in China just started booming. At that time, you could see a lot of people, often is overseas returnees from U.S. European educated and multinational pharma companies with the local funding they can obtain. They started doing a lot of, whether it's small molecular biologics, Often at that time, it's still a need to 
stage, although everybody tried to be doing Lee better. To nowadays, you could clearly see they have made progresses. They could be needing certain trends and there are certain new ideas have been emerging. So I would say, although I'm really don't go there as often, especially during COVID-19 times. <laughs> but I do clearly, from what I'm hearing or reading, they're making great progresses. And in terms of Korea and Japan, which two countries I've also visited and seen witness a lot of biotech activities, clearly you see they have also very firm commitment. There's some efforts there. There's some good signs there. So all the Asian biotech industry, I could say they're really making good progress. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Before we get into deeper on HiFi Bio, I'd love to get your perspective on how approaches to drug development have evolved over the last couple of years, specifically around leveraging technology and that intersection of science and technology and what's changed and what you're particularly excited about for the future of intersection of science and tech. This is a great question. I know you were talking about recent progress, but I wanted to bring you back to even early days, right? So where we start doing targeted therapy, and I mentioned about initially the first launch of the targeted therapy, and also at that time it coincides with genomic era. So when people start developing technology to be able to sequence human genome, then later on subsequent cancer genome evidence, that made a huge big impact to drug discovery and development. And the second wave later on I viewed is proteomics, where people started looking at protein expression at a high level, high throughput aspects. So from that angle, additional information on the inside brought into drug discovery and development. And I think more recently, I see as a third wave of technology that is single cell technology. When you look at genomic, that's really where it starts gene expression. Then protein is a result of gene expression. But both aspects, you're looking at a fixed snapshot. You don't look at live cells. You don't have the spatial and temporal aspect of understanding the biology. So single cell is for the first time, you're looking at a system that into this clear high resolution, but yet can tell your spatial and temporal biology that we could not do in the past. So because of that, you notice there are more and more companies start thinking about single cell technology and looking into it. And as far as I know, HiFi Bio is one of the few ones, if not the only ones, who actually apply this technology from target to drug all the way to patients. So this is something I'm super excited about. And uh, I think if we can validate this, we can make a transformation in the whole entire drug discovery and development. So one of the early validation we can tell is, for example, looking at our own internal effort in the last five years, we already identified eight high quality clinical candidates. That speaks to the efficiency and the speed. Yeah, certainly we in biotech are at an interesting point now where biotech now has the ability to attract a lot of great talent from software companies where really talented folks now are, you know, perhaps 
don't want to work on the next delivery app or something like that and want to work on something more meaningful. So I'm really excited also about our ability to now start drawing talent from other industries and bringing perhaps orthogonal ideas to how we operate in biotech. Yeah, I fully agree with that. Currently in high bio, bio, we have so many different experts in different areas, not only from clinical drug discovery development that requires diversity, but we can even go, we have engineers that is physics PhDs where they assemble. So our single cell instrument, we can buy different parts, assemble it ourselves. So you need people understand microfluid systems, understand optic systems, you understand how to write algorithms. And then we also have people who graduated from computer science where they start doing coding because we generate so much single cell data. How do we not get them? So we can actually, using algorithms, identify which cell is which. So you're looking at a transcriptome. You said this is the immune cell. This is the epithelial cell. This amount of expertise required in a small startup like us is tremendous. That's also the fun part of a modern biotech I see. Yeah, certainly. Liang, this is your first time being CEO. I'm curious, given your vast experience at various other companies and in pharma, what has been one of the more perhaps non-obvious differences or learnings for you coming from the Sanofis and BMSs of the world now running your own biotech? And what advice would you provide folks that perhaps are thinking of a similar transition? This is an excellent question. First of all, I must say, I did not think I wanted to progress in my career. I wanted to be a CEO. But as your career progresses, you gain so much knowledge. This one point, you have this strong vision and passion. You feel like, I have to do this, right? I clearly see if anybody's thinking about become a CEO, they have to have a strong conviction and a vision what you want to create. Otherwise, in other environments, you cannot do it. I actually was very happy working in the big pharma environment. I learned a lot from my past experiences. I'm thankful I wouldn't shortchange that by any means. But at one point, whether it's early stage of your career or next stage of your career, when you have some ideas, you have certain connection, you will generate great value and there's no platform for you to do it. I think you're ready. <laughs> and of course, you're mentally ready doesn't mean, you know, from skill set point of view, you're ready. So along the way, develop your leadership quality, develop your learning capability. So for example, I'm the first time CEO. I never get had to expose to finance, legal, business much. And basically, you just have to learn along the way. You learn from others, you learn from the books. You learn from your own mistakes. So be open heart and willing to learn. It's raining. Yeah. Great. And one more question related to you know this personal journey of yours at Hi-Fi Bio, you know, from the founding days, and I'd love to talk about the founding story next, but from the founding days of Hi-Fi Bio to now as the team grows, how has your role changed? Because I'm sure you're working on fewer things, but far more focused in fewer things now. But I'd love to understand your own mental model in terms of your role as a CEO as the company grows. 
I definitely see my growth as well as role changing over the time. Early days, I came in as a CSO from the other company. I automatically still have the CSO mindset, basically. <laughs> I'm still pencil in the deep science. So the eight molecules, we identify a clinical, I'm always so the co-inventor, right? So later on, I'm not co-inventor every innovation of the company. So you have to know at what stage you will let it go because there's so certain more important tasks for you to pay attention to. And also early days when the company is small, not more is about just making the decision on the fly very quick. Now as company grows, you appreciate you need to have certain processes in place, have to provide certain cultural values, especially when running as a global biotech where everybody resonates to. And uh, you have to spend a lot more time thinking about the organizational development and strengths. So go beyond your original vision, mission, strategy, and actually to ensure the execution is as good as you could have. And so there's a lot more, and I'm sure as we are evolving, right, we're still currently a private company. And once you, one day you become a public company, what are the role will be changing? But that's also what's keep me excited. So I can keep on learning and growing and evolving. Great. Now let's switch gears a bit and talk a bit more about Hi-Fi Bio. Talk us through the founding story and what the early days were like, and then also obviously where you are now. So... As I mentioned, we had five scientific co-founders in 2013 already, actually. They decided to put in on what they discovered in their respective discipline. They're physics professors from Harvard, ESPCI, and this genomic expertise from Broad and Harvard Medical School. So those five scientific co-founders decided on to put in single cell technology to looking at B cells, anybody secreting capability. So that requires the technology platform to be able to generate microfluid in a way that encapsulate one single B cell. So upon those B cells secreting of the anybody, there's a detection to ensure you identify the right anybody. And once the right B cell is identified, you figure out ways to sort that B cell out, then to do. BCR sequencing. Just thinking about a straightforward idea, but takes years to get into readiness. So I think by 2016, they also was collaborating with Big Pharma, which also supported those innovative ideas. They're into a stage, they said, now we think we have a platform, we can start a therapeutic journey. So at that time, they find me, and I was personally very attracted to this technologies because of being in the field of biologics, as I was mentioning to you in BMS days, we start looking at biologics, immune therapy, and the technology at that time, Big Pharma, even to this day, people are using is hyperdoma fusion technology. So it takes weeks. And during this fusion, because B-cell, the short half-life is very short. So if you don't fuse it to an immortal cell line, the B-cell will die. You will not be able to identify the right anybody before the B-cell dies. So that fusion process, you will lose quite a bit B-cells to start with. So the Hi-Fi biotechnology, you actually identify the right B-cells within hours. You identify the right B-cell before they die. 
that was amazing for me. So when I got exposed to that and I was so interested in how to apply cutting edge or bleeding edge technology in a way to drug discovery and development, because I think it's great. We make an effort to find another drug or two, but it's even more meaningful and impactful if we find better ways to do that. We try to drive in not only just identify drugs, it's how can we identify them and develop them in a way that address industry's bottleneck, which is not so time, not so money, nowhere success rate. We all know, you know. So we try to make a difference there. 2017, I joined as founder for the High Bye Bye Therapeutics. Since then, we launched pipelines, move, making tremendous progress. So that was really fun time thinking back. Yeah. And right now, talk to us a bit about the team you have and the distribution of that team geographically and your approach to managing distributed teams in this post-COVID world. Indeed, although we're a small startup, we're running in a global manner. And so, as I mentioned, the scientific co-founder, they're from Boston and Paris. So the company started with the technology platform already in existence in Paris and Cambridge here, Massachusetts, Cambridge, that is. When I started launching the therapeutics, one of the things I considered is at the beginning, we cannot build every capacity in-house on our own to developing a drug. We should leverage CRO. And China's CRO landscape has been really growing, developing rapidly. You were asking me earlier about the biotech world, but the CRO world is even more tremendous. So I know a lot of biotech companies in U.S. using Chinese CROs. So I said, why don't we build a China site there? We can access local CROs. In the meantime, you also can recruit the talent because the environment is just favorable to do some of the groundwork for discovery. And so we subsequently had the China site launched. To this day now, we are operating in Cambridge, Massachusetts, Paris, Shanghai, Hong Kong, and Hangzhou. We're operating at five sites. And before the pandemic, I've been traveling just among different sites. But now, you know, with COVID-19, actually, even before COVID-19, we're already familiar with the online communication. And we've been continuing that. And it's amazing how those teams at different sites felt so connected. And we have regular company meetings and bring everybody together, share what we have achieved and map out what we need to do in the future. So it's been working really well. And then we share some of our insight in a coming paper called Global Noco, the Future of Biotech. It's going to come out in draft discovery today. I think probably it's already available online now, but it's not officially you know, published yet. We'll share the notes or the link to it in the show notes when we release this. Talk to us a little bit about the future of biotech, obviously a topic that we're both quite passionate about and opportunities that a distributed team has, as well as perhaps some of the challenges that we face as we think about building biotechs locally or perhaps more globally. The future of biotech, I think it's going to be super exciting because as we are getting more and more knowledge, more and more data, more and more cutting edge technology, it will make a huge impact of how we go about identifying solutions for patients. 
And as using HyperDive as an example, with the single cell technology, we have already accumulated more than 9 million transcriptons for immune cells. And that covers 18 different tumor types and eight autoimmune diseases. Then this is just the beginning. You can imagine every disease types, you will have a lot of insight and information. So through that data, we develop deep machine learning and we can actually ask scientific question, what is the disease relevant target? And which is the disease contact, which drug to be best position? Can we really enhance the clinical designs? So you will only have a very you know, focused patient group and a high response rate. And you will reduce the cost of clinical trials, speed up the time and enhance. So address all three bottlenecks simultaneously. We think the technology and large data, which everybody already see more and more, making a huge impact in biotech. And in terms of innovation, because it's global. So I think... That's one of the things in our paper we try to emphasize. For innovation, it's good to have global network. So you're operating biotech in a global fashion will give you that advantage, if you will, or you actually easily getting into new ideas, more advancement you could see. And the other thing is about all the ideas is only ideas if you don't put it in reality. So the talents is really important. And where you position your organization in a global way, you find out that different talents at different ways, right? So for example, our French team has a lot of talented engineers. So we're really focused on the single cell technology. What's the next? We are not happy with what we got now. We always have to think about is there a better way to do it? Because if we don't, we'll be left behind, right? So we keep on pushing the avenues. And for example, the droplet in the past, one second we can make 1,000 to 2,000 droplets. At that time, when I first got exposed, I already felt that was crazily amazing because how could one second, such a short period of time, the thousands of cells can be measured? But now we have already improved. Now every second we can do 5,000 to 10,000. It's five to 10 fold improvement. So from that aspect, a lot of Great work has been done by our engineers, especially our focused in French side. We are doing novel target discovery currently. It's tremendous innovation. Then in the U.S. side is where there's a lot of clinical development happens. Our teams have been seasoned veterans as well as enthusiastic younger generation willing to learn. So that's where our clinical team major driving is. In China, I mentioned earlier the discovery teams and getting things done in a very cost and timely manner. It really enhances the efficiency and really also getting to much broader innovation of exploring biology. How does the free clinical work can be innovative? So all those aspects, I think is going to be helpful for future biotech is getting a diversity in a global setting. And finally, your partners with different countries, different pharma academics, or access to funding from venture capital with a global presence will be also be advantage. So I think the future, not only from the science and technology front, but from 
the innovative biotech model front, there's a lot of room for explore. Certainly agree. And I think the companies that are thinking similar to how you're thinking in terms of geographic distribution of teams will be at a competitive advantage in the global race for talent across biotech. Yes. Liang, before we let you run, if I could ask you to reflect for a minute and think back to your earlier days in biotech, or perhaps even when you were in school, what's one piece of advice that you wish you could provide your younger self? I probably could have learned a lot of things. I think there's always reflecting back and say, I wish I had done less of that better or differently. I think now as somebody who went through a lot of career growth and learning from all those up and downs, I probably would told my younger self to be a bit more patient. Because even to this day, I tell myself, I'm so eager to deliver the solutions to patients because my mother passed away from cancer. My father now is fighting lung cancer. Mm. So you always felt everything, every day counts, every hour counts. But on the other hand, when you're not taking things in a more thorough, understanding way, sometimes you try to speed up and you actually slow things down because people did not fully understand the intention or because people did not see why that matters. It's important to take the time to ensure you're not playing individual sports, you're playing a team sports. So right. your own excellency is not sufficient enough. Give people around you more understanding and more communication. It does mm. go a long way. I think just thinking about how to make sure the team win, not your individual as a winner. I think yeah. that's super important. I think early days, we tend to think about how do I grow? How do I make a difference? <laughs> now it's about how do I make the whole team grow, help the company or the whole industry or even broader to the whole society? How does the society make more progress moving yeah. forward? You are just looking at a different level as you're getting older. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your perspective and ability to zoom out certainly changes. That's wonderful advice. Yeah. Great. Liang, well, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing a bit about your own personal journey and the exciting work that you and your colleagues are pursuing at HiFi Bio. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Biotech 2050. This episode is hosted by me, Rahul Chaturvedi. If you enjoyed this episode of Biotech 2050, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at biotech2050pod. Again, that's biotech2050pod. Until next time.